Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday. April the 10th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Senior Vice President of Operations. And we are wrapping up our study in the book of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis today. So you guys have persevered with us um, through the past few months as we've been making our way through this book. But today we actually wrap it up and we're going to be looking at the final two chapters of this book, which are called Nice People or New Man. And then the final chapter is a new man. And much of what this chapter is talking about is just how we are a new creation in Christ and how we should be visibly different in our interactions with others as we have conversations with people and exude the love of Christ in those conversations that we have with those people around us. Um, You know, there's many examples of this and how we're going to dissect it today, but he poses a question at the very beginning of this chapter. And he says, if Christianity is true, Why are not all Christians obviously nicer than all non-Christians? And really, I think at the the heart of that question is, how how are we not different from those around us? If we have been transformed by the love of Christ and we are a new creation in Him, there should be a distinct difference in who we are now versus who we were prior to knowing Christ. A complete transformation should have happened. And no, it's not overnight where it looks like you're a complete, like physically, right? A new, a new person, or you accept Christ and you know everything about uh, the Pentateuch. You're right. You don't, you don't become a biblical scholar once you accept Christ and at the point of conversion, but there is a hunger in you and a change of your heart to want to grow into a deeper relationship with who Jesus is. So we truly are a new creation. And if we are new, we should be producing fruit as we grow in our relationship with him. Others around us should see the fruit that we are producing and we should be distinctly different from the world around us because we are in Christ and the world around us doesn't have Christ. So if we have the hope of the gospel in us, how are we displaying that to those around us. Luke chapter six says this, it says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We should be recognized as believers of bearing good fruit, of producing examples of what it means to be um, a believer looking at the fruits of the Spirit, you know, are we um, exemplifying peace and patience? Are we looking and displaying those to those around us? You know, how do we react in the moment of unexpectedy or tragedy or trial from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of? You know, in those moments where things feel out of control, is our heart overflowing with the goodness of God? Is our perspective that which displays our complete reliance upon him as a child of God, knowing that things are difficult, things are rough, but through it all, 
we know that God is in control. And if we know that God is in control, there should be an abundance and overflow from our heart to display that. Our fruit should display that we are believers and we are following Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, there are people, a great many of them, who are slowly ceasing to be Christians, but who still call themselves by that name. And I think that sentence really sums up much of our culture. Many people are going to be cultural Christians who are going to call themselves Christians, but have not experienced a heart change through the redemption and reconciliation of Jesus Christ. We can't simply just call ourselves Christians. We have to bear the fruit. We have to be able to demonstrate that. We are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is all from God. We are a new creation. The new creation has come and the old has gone. And I think, again, the challenge is how are we displaying that? It is because of Jesus. The latter part of that chapter says this in verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God sent his one and only son to die a sinner's death so that we could be reconciled to him. This was part of his plan. And we are a new creation because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. There's no better example, I think, in the scripture of somebody who did a 180 for Jesus than looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, of who he was, and then the transformation that happened when he met Jesus. It's such a beautiful picture of transformation, of how the gospel truly transformed the life of Saul. You know, in Acts chapter 7, you see you see the stoning of Stephen, and you see uh, how as they proceeded to, to stone him, um, in Acts 7, verse 58, it says that they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. I mean, Saul was at the heart of persecution of, of believers. They killed Stephen and stoned him to death. And it says in chapter 8, verse 1, that Saul approved of the killing of him. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. The godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was doing whatever he could to approve of the imprisonment and even the killing of Christians. So this man had no understanding or desire of learning more about Jesus Christ. He was a persecutor of Christians. But listen at how this transform, transforms. And for sake of time, we, there's, there's so many great examples of, of what we could look at of the life of Paul through the New Testament. But I, I want to fast forward to the end of 
Paul's life. This is a, after his um, his transformation and conversion on the road road to Damascus of of when he saw Jesus and and met um, met his Savior. But toward the end of his life, one of the last letters that he wrote were First and Second Timothy. So Paul is older. He has a lot of life experience. Has been walking with Jesus for so long at this point before his death. And this is what he says later in life in First Timothy chapter. 1 verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus because he, he was so far from God and he recounts some of those experiences here of who he was, but because of the goodness of God, he was shown mercy and the grace of God was poured out on him abundantly through Jesus Christ because he was transformed. What a picture from Acts chapter 7 and 8 to the persecutor of Christians to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, of him writing letters of encouragement to new believers and new pastors and churches all across the world to encourage them to stay strong and faithful in their walk with Jesus Christ. Paul was a picture of transformation. He even counts... um, He recounts this again in Philippians chapter three, and he talks about, you know, his his lineage and his heritage and who he was. But he says this in Philippians three, seven, whatever gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. He goes on in the next few verses to, to dive a little bit deeper, but this is what he says in verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. Paul in Philippians is writing to the church and reminding them of his transformation, of him becoming a new man and a new creation in Jesus Christ and saying, whoever I was before, I have nothing. I count it all as lost because knowing Christ Jesus is the most important thing. And this is the only thing that I need. I'm going to forget what was behind me. I want to continue to to have my eyes toward heaven and strain toward what is ahead and press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. His complete life's mission shifted from persecuting Christians to telling everybody about the hope that he had found through the redemption of Jesus Christ. And he even had to justify this in Galatians to the, to the apostles. And I think, you know, you, you can't 
um, be upset at the apostles because this was a guy who killed one of their own. I mean, this was a murderer, a persecutor of Christians who was transformed and seen, seen a man so distinctly change. Of course, they were skeptical. You know, was this a scheme? Was this a plan to ultimately attack them or to murder them? But he was so transformed. This is what he says in Galatians 2. He says, For through the law I die to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And this is, I think about this. He's telling other, he's telling the apostles, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He's, he's, he's pleading, um, sharing with the uh, apostles that it's no longer, it's not me. Like I, I did nothing. I can't do anything. It is only through Christ who lives in me and through my belief in him. I look Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me that I have been transformed. I live for Jesus. He's been transformed by the gospel. Romans chapter 12 again says, talking about living as a, as a living sacrifice. Here we see a very similar statement. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not be conformed. This is a man who had truly experienced a transformation of God. He had been transformed. His mind had been renewed. And he has set his hope and his eyes on furthering the message of the gospel. And he did this through offering his body as a living sacrifice. Paul's plans completely changed. What he thought he was going to do with his life, his hopes, his dreams, his his ambitions, He said, I want to count them all as lost because what is most important is me and my relationship. My relationship with Christ is of of, of most important. What he has called me to do to tell others about his conversion, to tell others about his experience and knowing who Christ is, is what dominated his life in his years. He wrote letter after letter to churches and young pastors and new believers and asking them just to stay strong and to not fall away and to to truly demonstrate what it means to be a child of God, to be a new creation, a new man, as C.S. Lewis says in these chapters, and to be an example of what it means to be a Christian. C.S. Lewis, I want to wrap up with this this one quote today. It says, nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, and rage. But look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else is thrown in. Everything else is thrown in. When we search for ourselves and our ambitions and we look to find satisfaction in the things around us, we will only in the long run fall short. 
But when we place our eyes on Jesus Christ, when we look to him and we find him, we will have everything that we'd ever hoped and imagined. Everything else is thrown in. It's not going to be, you know, what our uh, selfish desires are, but we're going to find complete peace and satisfaction and hope and rest and trust in him because we're going to know if we have him, everything else is thrown in. Everything else we need is it's going to find rest and peace through Jesus Christ in our relationship with him. I want to close our time out today in prayer, praying specifically for the country of Colombia, um, just praying for you know the country as a whole, that it'll be strengthened um, with a, a deeper understanding of the gospel, which is really our prayer for the world, right? Um, pray for the families that are pursuing children there, pray for the children themselves. Also just praying for what's happening through our unadopted program there in Columbia um, as we strengthen relationships with local churches. And those churches are just doing such a tremendous job in investing in families and the children around that country through the foster system there. So let's continue to pray for that, as well as just our partners on the ground that have been working so diligently there. So let's close our time out in prayer um, for the country of Columbia. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for um, for just teaching us through your word. We thank you for um, the gospel and the hope that we have in you and through you. Um, God, may we not forget the new men and women you've created us to be as we have accepted your gospel and been reconciled through Jesus Christ. God, I, I pray that that message goes um, around the world and you use us as vessels to do that. God, I pray for the country of Colombia specifically. Lord, may your gospel become clearer and clearer in that country. God, may may that church be strengthened there with the understanding of the true gospel. Um, God, may we see the gospel message just penetrate that country and see many come to know you. God, we pray for the families that are in in um, process, pursue, pursuing adoption for those older children, um, Lord, maybe even sibling groups or kids with uh, medical special needs. God, we just pray that you give them peace and guide them, give them endurance as they pursue these children. Um, and Lord, send us more missional families that understand the complex needs of these children in Columbia. God, I pray for the children themselves as they um, are just searching for permanency. God, just give us an opportunity to advocate for them. Um, as they wait, help us to find creative ways to advocate. Lord, may we see policies change to benefit them in the long run. And Lord, we just pray in advance for the kids that are going to be coming to um, the United States for hosting over the summer. God, may we see another successful Columbia hosting program and these children find permanency through um, the advocacy of our team and these families in June. Um, God, we pray for what's happening through unadopted and uh, Lord, just orphan care around that country. God, we thank you for our team that's on the ground there and for these churches and local pastors who are just doing such intentional work in um, serving the vulnerable around that country. So God, just give our team wisdom as they um, plan and prepare and pray for next steps in the country of Columbia. God, and, and lastly, just pray for our, our partners, um, for our in-country team. Um, give them wisdom. Uh, Lord, we pray for the governing authority there as well. Um, Lord, may they just see you through us. Lord, may they experience your love through conversations with us. And as we study today, may they see the new creation that you have made us and may they want to know more about that. So Lord, may your gospel make itself known across the country of Columbia. Lord, be with us now. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. 
Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music